and in the Republican and Democratic parties, uh, if you look at them as a business, they're actually one of the, the largest grossing businesses out there. And how they are essentially, it's, like an, it's an oligopoly in the sense that there really is no competition outside of those two. And they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest oligopies in the United States. Just Talks, a weekly podcast where we talk to influencers, celebrities, politicians, and everyday people to show we all have unique opinions, and that's a great thing. I'm your host, Ryan Malinowski, and this week we're talking with John Gallo. How you doing, John? Doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks. Cool. So uh, who are you, John? What, what do you do? Where are you from? What are you passionate about? What do you have an opinion on? Um, so, I mean, obviously know my name. I work for York College, Pennsylvania. I'm also an MBA student at the moment, um, halfway through my MBA. Cool. So doing that at the moment as well. Um, from live in York. Uh, things I'm passionate about. I feel like that's tough. I feel like I'm not the most passionate of person, but I definitely have an opinion, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, always passionate about environment and stuff like that. Hate politics, but love politics, I guess, at the same time. So, man. because you hate politics, you yeah, exactly. love politics. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. I, <laughs> the hate of politics makes it automatically means you like politics, <laughs> I guess, right? So, there's that. So, live in York. Uh, did you say you work for York College? I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, family? I do. Yeah, I, that's true. I have, a, I have a wife and a 13 year old daughter. Got Clearly, an afterthought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hopefully, she, yeah, yeah. hopefully she doesn't watch this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm sure she will not. <laughs> yeah. It's like the environment and politics, but not politics is the most important thing to me. Yeah. And yeah, that's about it. That's all that's yeah, important that's all about. I care, that's all, that's I, all care I care about. about. Yeah, as life. Uh, yeah. And I mean, yeah, of course, family. I've also two dogs, two cats, got two pit bulls. I guess I, in that case, I like animals too. So okay. yeah, I'm passionate about that. I'm all... So I'm not like I'm not like some like activist. So I feel like a passion to me, like someone's passionate about something. I always think of like activist, which I guess is probably incorrect. Like I like animals. Like if someone tried to come into my house and like take my animal, I'd definitely beat the shit out of them for it. Right. So I guess that's passionate, right? I, I think that's passionate. Yeah. Yeah. So but I'm not like some super activist person either. But you didn't like drink the Kool Aid or something like that, is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I definitely not. I am not very good at drinking the Kool Aid anyway. So. <laughs> now you've. Uh... You started a few businesses in the past as well, correct? Yeah. So you talked about your you were working on your MBA. Is is that the end goal then to own your own business eventually? Yes. Okay. Um, I miss it to be honest. Like I mean, you know, well, I guess you know, I had Tap and Attack, so which was a gaming and hobby store, sold board games, card games, all that stuff, um, which I really enjoyed that. But there's really not much. Well, actually, since then, there's not not there's not money to be made in there. But at the time, I didn't know how to make the money there. If I feel like if I went back in time with what I know now, sure. I definitely could have done it a lot better, done things completely different, uh, right. made probably much more money. Uh, but even then, I still feel like we didn't do too bad. I mean, I started off as an event, ran events and grew it to like, I mean, we had over a quarter million dollars in sales every year. So I feel like it's not, for first first go at it when you're in your young 20s, I feel like first business, that's not too shabby. Good yeah. To, yeah. From nothing to a quarter of a million in sales. So what? Uh, what? What were the biggest mistakes? Why, what would you do differently? Well, 
mean, I think a lot of it would be inventory management. Uh, I mean, I think I don't think I was a very good manager then either. Uh, not like I'm the best now, which I feel like makes you a good manager. Sure. And the fact that you, you think you're not that great makes you better at it. Well, uh, you learned some things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely would have been. I've actually, one thing I've actually talked about recently um, in my one MBA class, I think I would have, we would have paid more. Okay. Um, which thing is to your employees? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, and and for our cards and stuff too, um, which I can just I'll do one at a time, I guess. So the paying the employees, well, we paid a minimum wage, which isn't the end of the world, but I think we should have paid them more, uh, really because I think it would we could have called out more people then, because there we always had. I mean, there's tons of people that wanted to work there. Sure. Um, but I think if we'd have paid more, we would have got more of the people that were good and kept those people there. Right. Um, so looking back on that, like reflecting, I feel like we missed that. Um, also, would have fired some people way earlier or not hired them to begin with now right. um, compared to what I did then. So I think there's like those aspects as well. It's tough when you're working minimum wage, right? Yeah. If, if you go to somebody and say, hey, look, you're not doing your job, they pretty yeah. much say, well, okay, screw you. <laughs> yeah. I'll go get another minimum wage job somewhere else. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or, I mean, you also just lose people because they, they can't make their bills or like right. they, they have, like we had, we lost people because they had to move out and like their house. So like, we well, can't live off of minimum wage, especially if you're only working 30 hours a week. There's just no way. Um, so I think we would have paid more to get the, keep those good employees, um, in that aspect uh, as far as like the cards as well like we always sold products at a low price so we always sold them at like market low um, which at the time I thought it was a good idea because if we could just like essentially get to the point where you have like you're hitting like economies of scale I guess was, was my real thought yeah. but you actually never really hit that with those with a secondary market I don't think um, I think you get more economies of scale from when you're actually producing things like you have like your own intellectual property you have more opportunity to hit your, life or your sure. uh, economy to scale. So I think that was a mistake too. We should have raised our prices a little bit. Who who are you trying like with that with that thought process of the economies of scale being brick and mortar? Who are you trying to compete with there? Like you said, you're selling it at market low compared to compared to what? What were you well, uh, using as a metric? So for that, we there was websites we sold on too, which was like the there's like third party websites that you could sell yourself, kind of like eBay type of thing, okay. but not bidding. You just you just set your gotcha. price. So we were always in the lower end of that. But I think because of that, like we would sell things quickly, but then you also have the problem you can't get things as quickly either. Gotcha. Um, so like being with the secondary market, you have to be able to buy stuff to sell stuff. So I think you get, you get, there's like that middle ground, which I think is probably the more optimal um, area, excuse me, um, that you can get product easier so you can turn it, but still have like a decent margin. Yeah. Um, did you, uh, <clears throat> did you um, sell things at the brick and mortar location for the same price you were offering it up online? Yeah, which I think, I do think that's right. Um, I think you can do that as a company, sell things at different prices like that. I just, like, ethically, I'm not really too okay with that personally. I always feel like you should offer the customers the same no matter where they are. Sure. I mean, assuming that, like, I mean, they would pay shipping online. So, like, you right. technically would pay more, but you also could get free shipping if you bought enough. So, like, there's, I mean, there's that give and take. Because I think the online customer should incur some additional cost because there is additional cost for us. So, yeah, but for the most part, you know, the, the price for the, each individual item was the same. So you would have paid more. What what else was, you know, 
mistakes that you wouldn't make again type of thing? Uh, funding was a big one. I didn't, we didn't have money. Um, so, that, I don't think that was necessarily, wasn't, well, I guess it was my mistake too. I should have took money out to start the business more. So you didn't invest any of your own capital into it? Not much. Okay. Um, so my partner, at the time, he invested most of the money. Because um, he was actually the one that really wanted to start the retail store. I was more on the event side. Uh, but he, what, one of the problems was, like, we had an investment of, like, 10 grand, I think it was. And then once we got started, we had, he, they ended up pulling out, like, five grand of it. Okay. Which, I mean, if you know, starting a retail store at 10 grand is not ideal, yeah. let alone five. So um, that kind of... <laughs> short change just in that aspect so there was a business plan then there was some sort of business plan but it wasn't the best uh so your um, your uh your partner invested 10 grand and is that what you said yeah. and then and then he pulled five out at a certain threshold yeah no, it was not in a, it was like a, a month in to the oh, okay. store. so it was, it was early on gotcha which i think i mean and once again like i feel like we still would have probably mismanaged it to some degree but i think we would have been better off yeah now, five grand to a lot of people is a lot of money, right? Yeah, I mean, it's still a lot of money to me. <laughs> um, well, but from a business perspective, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. five grand's like nothing from uh -huh. a business perspective. Yeah, I mean, we're doing, end up doing quarter million in sales. I mean, five grand at that point is not too much, but right. when you're starting off, we could definitely use that. I mean, it's definitely a uh, downfall, I think, in that regard. And I feel like I should have probably took it alone as well. Uh, especially, I think, like, probably year one, I probably should have took out money. Um, to yeah. get to reinvest into the business, right? We were like struggling, and even after the first year, we were struggling to get money. Um, so I think I probably could have done that to keep it moving more. Right but, on. Yeah, but like I said, I think probably part of the reason was I just like so inexperienced. Okay. But all re all reality, though, I think it, I mean I have my bachelor's degree now. I I've got associates in business, bachelor's in business, getting my MBA, and honestly the amount of stuff I learned from my business and the, I mean I lost even he lost I mean a few thousand I lost a few thousand that had by the end of it really because I did I did put money in and I built up debt because I was essentially like I mean dumping anything I had into it sure uh, so I still was in the hole thousands of dollars uh, by the end of it but I think I mean honestly that that there's like where like five thousand I lost and the five thousand he lost I at least for me it was probably the best five thousand dollars I've ever spent. Like even my whole entire bachelor's degree, I didn't. I don't study at all. Even my MBA, I don't study too much because I've learned so much from that five grand sure. experience. That I mean, the, the college stuff is, has been like essentially like a joke for business because I've learned so much. Because you have to. Yeah. Like I mean, absolutely. I do. I had to file taxes. I had to file. I mean, hire employees. Learn all the state laws and all that stuff like that. Marketing and I mean, I didn't do it very well then, but I learned how to do it and then improved upon it from there. What once you get your uh, once you get your MBA, do you have a plan for a business you want to start? Like what's the dream? My my real business like idea, I'm not come tossing around a bunch of different things because um, I still have like a, about a year to go. Um, but one idea I've been tossing around, at least I keep thinking about it, is doing more of like a game of like an integrated um, it's like almost like a murder mystery type of thing. So my thought was doing something where it'd be online murder mystery, but it'd be more 
like kind of like a geocaching in a sense. So you could go out and like you'd be like part of the world, and there'd be all kind of like, like an escape room type thing. Okay. Um, but it'd be more based on like where you are. So you could go out and find clues that are out different places. Okay. Um, the biggest thing I struggle with is like trying to hit like how would you either monetize and hit like the economy of scale for that. So the idea would be that you would have like this thing you could integrate between like the website that you go to that sign up or app and then you would you could go to like Facebook and it'd be through there so you'd have like essentially like fake like people that have their own pages on Facebook like it had to be like there's like, they have like rules of certain rules you have to follow for those type of things um, so then you would like you could get clues from there and get clues from other places then you could actually go to a physical place that's near your location that would have different clues and I was thinking either ways of like integrating it into like advertisements so you could have like different like you could go to a bar and they'd have a clue at the bar that would give you towards something towards this this game and then you some you're just the whole point is for you to try to solve like this murder mystery gotcha um, and that's one of the ideas I have been tossing around that's like the one I keep coming back to at least I think there be there is some type of market for that type of thing where it'd be like kind of like a web slash like trying something that kind of just blends the internet with the real world yeah it's almost like a, a game that fits in to the internet of things kind of idea yeah. like mm -hmm. um but getting people to interact with one another and you know yeah um it reminds me of like old school like computer games where it's like go find this man that you talk to like at the start of the game that you don't even remember anymore yeah. you know he should be in this town by now type of thing yeah exactly yeah but, then, uh, but, but it'd be a real person now or it could be you could even have things like there's uh there's technology now that it's like beacons um so like beacons would be like essentially it's like based off like a high i think it's high frequency mm -hmm. uh bluetooth so it's for newer phones and stuff like that that you could trigger when you're in a certain proximity. So you could even do things like that. So you go to this place, and then that would trigger the this like interactive part of this app, the app that you'd be on. Right. Um, you could almost uh, this this would be really cool too if you had uh, you got people to be actors in it. Uh, yeah. Right? And then and then uh, it's like it's just like signing up for Uber. You know, you mm -hmm. have you have an actor in the game, and it's a real world actor yeah. that that can give you a custom clue, like, and you just share it via your phone type of thing. Yeah. And uh, you know, way you could monetize it is you could tell the actors then, look, you know, you need to go to this, uh, you need to go to this place. It's a store if it's the day, or it's mm -hmm. a bar at night. And the bar of the store pays you to have the actor there so that people have to come and the idea is they'll they'll yeah. buy things while they're there. Yeah. You know, or maybe you make that part of the quest. Go buy a beer at this bar, mm -hmm. you know, and you could have the same actor in every city or town or location or whatever. Um, that would be cool. It's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought about that too. Like essentially bars. I was my me, I thought it was bars. I feel like it's going to be that like 20 to 30 age mm -hmm. range with the people that are mm -hmm. interested in that. So you could go to the bar, and like the barkeeper could give you the clue, even mm -hmm. or whoever it is. So, yeah, I, I think I think it'd be interesting. Monetization, I think, would be the hard part in scale because um, I feel like you just have each individual stories. So I was gonna, I plan on testing it um, soon-ish. I mean, next year or so, just making like real simple, like twelve-step 
clues. Like, I mean, kind of escape rooms do that thing. Like, they map out their clues and everything. Uh, and doing it, like, in the York area. Right. Um, just as a test. Because, I mean, there's no way. I feel like these smaller cities like this would be harder to monetize. But I feel like New York could definitely, like, these places, like, those huge cities, could you could definitely make enough money from just the sheer volume of people. It depends on what you're charging for the advertising, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's to be the... If you're talking economies of scales, you make it extremely cheap, mm -hmm. right? Because there's no guarantee that it depends on how many users you have then, too, mm -hmm. right? You know, um, you could almost have them set a budget, and every time that clue is given out to somebody, yeah. it charges towards their budget type of thing. And when the budget's over, you tell the actor or whatever, you close off the waypoint or whatever type of thing programmatically, yeah. and the actor has to move to a new location that's actually making your app money. Type. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't think about necessarily you could have the story almost be adaptive to based off of ad revenue and stuff like that. Right, because if you have a scene in a bar, it doesn't matter what bar you're in. It's true. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And there's, what, 100 bars in the four counties in this area at least type of yep. thing? So... If you get people driving, um, and then you have like notifications like, oh man, the, you know, so and so, the guy you're trying to get to, it just sends an automatic text then or something when the waypoints close to say, hey man, I, I'm, I'm leaving this bar and I'm going to another one type mm -hmm. thing, you know? Yeah, that's uh, a good idea. That's a cool idea, man. Cool. I hope that happens for you. That's a pretty sweet idea. You know, you're talking about how you learned way more from just trying a business, right? Yeah. Than you did from your associate's degree or your bachelor's or even the master's, you know, the MBA that you're going through. Is that correct? Um, yeah, to a degree. To so degree. The, the MBA, I think, is different. Um, there's a lot of aspects I learned. The bachelor's, I feel like, I learned more from the business than I did my bachelor's. There's, like, some areas being course, there's, like, tidbits you learn here and there. Sure. But, like, the overarching bachelor's of business, I definitely learned a lot more doing my own business than I did from the, the bachelor's program. Um, like, I had, like, a, I had, like, a like, three-point-something GPA. I don't remember what my bachelor's was. But, like, essentially, I didn't never studied, like, didn't work hard at all because I literally just knew it all. I, I mean, there was times I had arguments with my teachers because I knew more than they did about the subject sure. from, from the business. Um, then... The masters, though, it's a little bit different. I mean, there's a lot of it still the same, but it's just masters. You just go more in depth, and right now it's a lot more about like like corporate financing and stuff like that. That's where I'm like learning more. So it's like stuff that really wasn't as relevant. Like we weren't issuing stocks and bonds in for Tavern Tech by far. Right. We we're nowhere near that that level, or like we didn't have like policies for like trying to influence government and stuff like that. Where that's what more of a masters is, is trying to get into. Assuming you're running a, a corporation or a large corporation, I mean, we were a corporation, but not like a quarter million dollars in sales is really not too much for a business, really. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's plenty of uh, businesses out there that do a quarter million dollars and they make zero profit, right? Cause, yeah. I mean, that's what we did, really. Right. <laughs> At the end well, of it. right. Because so <laughs> you're talking gross, and you know. Um, yeah. Anybody, anybody who knows about business or people who are trying to get into it, the real thing you want to look at if you're doing sales is profit. Yeah. Because that tells you what your company's worth and whatnot. If you, yeah. If you make a thousand dollars in a year, but you spend a thousand dollars on materials and um, uh, salaries and stuff like that, you made no money. Yeah. Business every year. So. Yep. 
Yeah, uh, that, that was our And that just scales problem. up. You make a billion dollars in a year and you spend yeah. all your money on materials and, and salaries yeah. and, and insurance and all the other expenses and you made no money yeah. as a company. But until you, well, until you get into a corporate, you get a billion dollars in sales though, sadly, your, your company will actually go up in value still. It will. I, I, I was yeah. actually learning about, that's one thing we were learning about in corporate finance. Essentially, if you can, there's ways you can leverage your debt and stuff so that you can make no money on your company, make less money, be worse off as a company, and still have a higher valuation. Right. Which, I mean, still fucking blows my mind that that's a thing. That, like, you essentially can run your business worse and make, you can be worth more. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, when you're a small company, that's not how that works with a small company. Small companies actually have to make money, mm-hmm. which is crazy, but it is what it is. So what I was going to ask you is if you learn more from business, um, from actually doing the business, why, uh, why have you continued down the education path if your goal is eventually to be back in business? So, I mean, The Bachelor, honestly, I mean, I started my associates before Tap and Attack. And then at Tap and Attack, I stopped my, doing my associates because it was, I mean, I was there 12 hours a day, probably, almost. And it was set, almost seven days a week, so it was just too much to do it. Plus, with the family, uh, I still had, I was still married and had Kaylee at the time, which is my daughter. Uh, and then, so, after that, after we closed down that, I did little bit of like actually consulting to a degree I worked for save point that did consulting for him and then after that for like trying to get him managerial wise uh, better and the, trying to help him with mistakes I learned essentially and then after that I went to your college and once I got to the point where I got became like a full-time employee there uh, which is actually about about a year into it I became a full-time employee they pay for your bachelor's okay so I was like well you know to me that's I didn't like my salary there really, so I just assumed that as part of my salary, which I think is probably fair. So I mean, I saved like ten ten thousand dollars a year just on going to school. So like to me, that's salary. Like right. I mean, I made X plus ten grand. It's well less ten grand in debt. So I did that, and then my master's. I really wanted to get my master's because I think for my next phase, I'd like to do business, but I want to do it better. Um, like I said, I didn't really learn too much in my bachelor's, so I felt like master's was like the logical step to learn more. And so that way I can, in the next business I start, I can actually make it to like hopefully something big, uh, which I hope they will. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So the, the education kind of came along essentially for free or yeah. significantly yeah. reduced. So, yeah. yeah, York paid for all of it. I paid like 400 bucks a semester, plus my books, which you mean. As far as education goes for bachelors, that is as cheap as possible. Right. Even right. my masters, there, I'm going my masters to them too. They pay for half. So even there, I'm like, I mean, right. I feel like coming out of coming out of college with a master's degree in business, especially for like I think it's gonna be like ten grand in debt. I feel like I can't can't bitch about that too much. Yeah, no. Like 10, 10 grand for an MBA is pretty good. Right on. So we were talking briefly before the podcast started that you know. You're registered libertarian. You, you know, you mentioned you don't like politics, but because you don't like politics, that's kind of a political thing. And yeah, yeah, that exactly. You have to like politics. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, talk to me about uh, why you registered libertarian. Kind of what you, what you think that believe on that side of things, 
actually one of the biggest kind of one comment about the political side the political side of it is I actually had started a business really a side hustle it's not really a business business um but I started selling political signs. I'm not sure if you knew this or not. Um, so I sold political signs during this last election, but they weren't real political signs. Um, so I sold like fake ones. It was like vote Sasquatch and vote like Seymour Butts and stuff like that. <laughs> but it actually sold a fair amount. Um, especially I, I literally started it like months before the election and just kind of tried to ride the wave up a little bit. Right. Um, so I mean that was the, I guess that's my political stance is that like no, no political stance. <laughs> it's literally like the just to have a joke about it. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the reason I registered libertarian really, and I was always more libertarian esque, I guess, is because, um, I mean, I, I feel like the the country as a whole needs a, th- a three party system. Uh, I think that the tug of war between the two doesn't help anybody. So I think having three would benefit the country uh, more. And the libertarian, I think, is the the most prominent of the third parties. Okay. Uh, so that's really why I registered Libertarian. That, like, I just don't, like, I actually listen to a Freakonomics podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that podcast sure. at all. But um, they actually did a whole podcast about the Republican and Democratic Party. And in the Republican and Democratic parties, uh, if you look at them as a business, they're actually one of the, the largest grossing businesses out there. And how they are essentially, it's, like, it's an oligopoly in the sense that there really is no competition outside of those two. And they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest, oligopies in the United States. I mean, even like you think, everyone thinks of oligopoly, which do I need to explain what oligopoly is? Why don't you explain? Okay. All right. So, the oligopoly, there's monopolies, which is like Comcast, where monopoly is a. There's just one company. I feel like most people know what monopoly is. An oligopoly is when the whole entire market is controlled by a few companies. Uh, most people think of Coke and Pepsi. Uh, Coke and Pepsi, I mean, if you think of soda, you think Coke and Pepsi. There's only two options. You go to McDonald's, you get, or a restaurant, you get Coke or Pepsi. There's no, like, really in between. Um, but you just, you just insulted, like, half of the Pacific Coast? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> There's somebody out there going, RC Cola, man. (laughs) Yeah, we look at market share. There's there's not much. But even then, though, the Republican and Democratic Party are a much bigger oligopoly than Coke and Pepsi because there is other competitions. I mean, they actually have a third competitor, which would be the Snapple, Snapple Dr. Pepper, I think it is. I know it's. Yeah, Snapple and whoever they're partnered with, they're the other third party in there. I mean, they still only own a small percentage of the market share, but they are the third party. Right. Uh, but they own more than 1% of the votes, essentially, than what what the Republican, Democratic, and Libertarian Party has. Right. Uh, so, and in that regard, there can always be, there's an easy entrance for an additional soda. Like, anybody can start a soda company, and you'll probably end up being bought out by Coke or Pepsi, but that's right. not, yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing as far as business. Um, but in the political aspect, there's really no the barrier to entry is almost impossible. I mean, you, like you, you have that billions of dollars or millions of dollars, at the very least, to even consider being a political party. And even at that point, you're still not going to do well unless you have billions. Um, so, Republican Democratic Party. That's why they said essentially they're the biggest oligopoly. Is that the Republican Democratic Party? There's no way to get into it. You can't can't start your own political party. You don't really have an easy way to start 
like a, someone small to start it and grow in a political party. So, and there's no competition. Uh, it's only the Republican and Democratic parties. The you know, Libertarian, the guy, I think they got 1% of this last vote, something yeah. like that. Something Which, like that. I mean, as far as considered in business sense or in sense, one percent it's like a joke. Gary Johnson actually did a lot better last time around, um, but that's just because I think both candidates were so unlikable. And, yeah. And well, there were big, big question marks on one side on how like the the one side would would vote right or would would run policy, and then the other side was just like the least likable candidate ever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And Gary Johnson was able to scoop some of the vote out from each side, but I, I think even even at his highest, he was still in the single digits. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I think overall he was like two or three percent, wasn't he? I don't remember something exactly. like that. It was he, low. he did better than Joe Jorgensen. Yeah. So. Um, so I mean, I think in that regard, like I mean, even three percent of the market for something is not is nothing. I mean. Right. As far as that regard, especially in something that big, like yeah, you got three percent of the soda market, you'd still be doing pretty well. You know, which the Libertarian Party, I guess, still isn't. I mean, they're doing better than anybody else is, uh, but still not good. You're not. You can't win an election at three percent. Uh, so, what attracted you to the Libertarian Party? Is it just because they had more market share than any of the other little parties out there? To a degree. Um, so, I mean, that that's definitely a big driving force. Um, like, I think I, from what we talked about briefly before is that I feel like I am definitely a fairly moderate. Uh, I pull things from others. Like, I definitely like, like the Green Party aspects where they have, uh, I mean, like they're just more environmentally safe. Um, I definitely like that aspect. But I think the big thing for the libertarians that pull for me is that that's more localized state uh, government. So I think that's my big thing. Okay. I think that the federal government, I think, should be good for some things. Um, and like, I think, like, I mean, with, like, the, I don't know, the Libertarian Party? No, I guess it's just the Democratic Party. No, whatever they are. The Democratic Party, left side, they're all about, like, universal health care and stuff like that, which I think is actually makes sense because, I mean, insurance and stuff like that is really just, you're playing odds. So I think having the bigger pool would make sense for that. I mean, if you're a casino, you want to have as many people playing your casino as possible. That's how you level out your odds. You have less swings with, as far as the costs and stuff like that. So, universal health care, I think, for that in that regard would be would make sense. At least a base level. I think there should be additional stuff. Uh, but the Libertarian Party having a lot of the, the government rules being more centralized makes more sense to me. Uh, so I think it's, I think this thing is dumb that like I mean Oregon's now you can go do meth in Oregon and it's legal but you can still get arrested for it because of breaking federal laws which I think is just stupid like it should just be if Oregon wants to let you do meth that Oregon let you do meth like that should be more of what it's about um, but I think the federal government should be more for like broad stroke things that benefit everybody in some regard like it's like like healthcare like I think having universal healthcare would help everybody. Um, to some degree, at least marginally. I don't think it's, no, there's no perfect solution. I feel like in any type of broad sweeping type of regulation, but I gotcha. think most things, most things like that would make sense, especially since you're required, like even like car insurance, I feel like, I don't know, it's just a Pennsylvania thing that requires it, but like things like that where it's like you sent, you, you must have insurance on your car in Pennsylvania yeah, for, the other, for the other person. I think all states at this point require some level of insurance. Yeah. So, like, the federal government handling that aspect 
to me makes sense because then when you have like there's a positive and negative of having a business run those things where, like the business has to make a profit where a government doesn't but then the business also creates more innovation but you know, as far as insurance goes we, there's not really much we can innovate on like you're insured or you're not um, so I think like the government handling those things where they, they don't have to innovate because the government's definitely not good for that uh, they're not known for their speed and changing of things they, they're pretty slow and everything but having the government handle broad sweeping things that require very little thinking involved I think would be a benefit so that's why it's like I'm kind of in the middle because I feel like I pull aspects from everybody but I feel like I'm definitely more libertarian um, in the sense yeah. of like small government I guess yeah so you're you're uh, you're not like full blown libertarian in the sense that like 100% anarchy that type of thing yeah, yeah. You know? gotcha no I mean I think I always think it's crazy like the people I always feel like that like anarchy which I always feel like it's I don't know if it's like more left-sided but or libertarian depending on the side but I always feel like people that want more anarchy are usually like lower wage people whatever reason that could be a little bit biased um, but I always feel like they would not benefit from that same with the people that like wanted to like, get rid of the dollar I don't, I don't know if that's even a real thing like people like, wanted that to actually happen but getting rid of like the dollar and going back to like a bartering system would only help the rich um, at least in my opinion it would because they're the ones that have more negotiating power, uh, more than they have now, because they would have more resources. So you could sure. utilize those resources to a greater extent. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I also think no matter if you got rid of the dollar, really, we would formalize into some type of system anyway. I mean, there's always going to be a currency of some sort. I mean, I think it'd just be more complicated to get rid of the dollar. So you're talking about universal health care. You're saying how it would be good for, in your opinion, for the, the federal government to have control over that because it's just playing the odds and to have a bigger pool of people putting in new insurance um, makes sense because then like everybody benefits from it because everybody's tied to it essentially am I, am I paraphrasing what you're pretty much am yeah. I getting yeah. what you were saying yeah um, but then almost immediately you did make a statement that said well not everybody would be in it and you said something along the lines, the way I understood it, of not everybody would be in it. Not 100% of people would be in it, right? In the insurance pool? In the insurance pool. No, I think, I think having 100% of people in it would be okay. good. I think having an additional, like, there should be, like, a, I think a baseline insurance would be good, and then you can add to it. So, like, kind of how, like, I mean, I guess Obamacare kind of does it to a degree. Um, but instead of having... I mean, like if you, I, I have insurance in my work, so if my work wanted to offer insurance, like, like additional insurance, that makes sense. Um, or essentially have like upgraded, or have the ability to upgrade your plans um, to something a little bit better to, to mitigate some of your people at risk. Like, so like my mom has like rheumatoid arthritis and stuff like that, so her having the ability to have things that cover those things more might make more sense. Um, so I had, I guess, like tears or something like that. Um, but once again, I'm not an insurance person sure. for sure, but think having some type of uh, the ability I think having like a broad sweeping free healthcare overall would probably not be ideal I guess per se yeah so that's uh, that's definitely not libertarian there right no 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the libertarians would say, well, good luck, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who pays for the health care then? Well, I mean, taxpayers do. Okay. Yeah. I think that, I think that's most people already have insurance or you have like, I mean, you're required to have insurance. I, mean, I haven't had to do Obamacare or whatever for probably 10 years or something like that, but whatever came out, like, we were on it. We were on it like for like six months and that, then we got insurance for employers. We were paying for that insurance one way or another. So I think just kind of mitigating it across everybody would make sense. Um, because like really, I mean, insurance really is odds. I mean, they're just trying to, like when people get their insurance dropped or your insurance premiums go up or whatever, they're just trying to mitigate their risk over a large portion of people. But the being able to lower or broaden that scope would just lower, be able to lower that premium overall. Uh, at least that'd be the ideal plan. I've never done math on it, but so I definitely get that for you know someone like your mom who deals with you know a, yeah. a, a condition that she has. Obviously, like the insurance is going to be worth it for her. Yeah. But what about for um, you know someone who's not sick? Their family has no history of anything. Like they just have always looked at insurance as an extra incurred cost that they really aren't going to use or need. Maybe any medications that they have are cheap enough because there's a generic version out there that, it, you know, it just doesn't do anything for them. And, you know, frankly, if they need to go to the emergency room, they're cool paying a couple hundred bucks out of pocket to figure that yeah. stuff out. I mean, how, how does that work into a universal healthcare system? Well, we... I feel like with any type of universal system, there's always going to be winners and losers to a degree. Uh, but the point would be to make the losers lose less, I guess, in that sense, on both both ends. That'd be the, at least the end goal would be for both to lose less, uh, so that people that don't don't utilize insurance, they still even at this point they're required to have insurance. Uh, and when they don't have insurance, it all goes. It's something like tragic does happen, where like you have like major car accident or something like that they have to pay for it in some way shape or form so i think having like just broad sweeping the healthcare, i guess in that regard well um, so you're not required to have insurance anymore like, not? now that they repeal or uh i'm pretty sure now that they repeal the individual mandate oh, okay you're you're not penalized for not having insurance yeah um, so that that kind of broke what Obamacare was trying to accomplish. Yeah. I guess what would be what would be your uh, pitch to somebody in that situation? Because there's a lot of people who feel like they don't need insurance, or yeah. you know, now that the inv individual mandates repealed, they've gotten away from insurance. They don't have it. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously a universal healthcare system is going to work better if you have all 350 million people in the country in it yeah. versus having you know whatever. Even yeah. if you don't have, even if it's only half of that, right? Yeah. Um, so what would what would be your, I guess, pitch to that person to say, hey, you know, it's actually it's it's a good idea to have this thing that you're never going to use. Yeah. Well, so I think the big positive would be is that hopefully you get to the point because I think with health insurance in general, people that have health insurance normally would do their more. For the most part, I mean, of course, there's always going to be outliers and something like that they are more likely to do the preventative measures. So, like, 
women are more likely to get like mammograms and men are more likely the older men get prostate you know do like your physicals and stuff like that which where we that's where we catch a lot of the a lot of your issues that you have before they get too bad like you can catch cancer before it gets too too out of control where you're going to start incurring hundreds of thousands of dollars in health insurance costs sure. so the goal would be the i think the real goal would be that more people go do those things that mitigate the risk overall, which then could bring health insurance down for everybody, including that person. Um, I still think there would just still be co-pays of some sort, um, because I think that there's always those people, there's always those people that go and um, they do, like they go to the ER for everything. Like that's, I always feel like that's stupid. Cause like you don't need an ER to sprain your ankle. Like you should go to your doctor or something like that. Whereas I think like having like co-pays kind of mitigates that to a degree, um, so that not everyone just goes there all the time. Um, so I think that would be like a way to abuse the system. So I think the goal would be for someone that doesn't go to the doctor a lot or doesn't need the things as much, is that it really isn't going to benefit them as much. Um, but when they need it, it'll be there. And I think most people that don't have health insurance are normally um, less well off. I think in general, and then that would help mitigate their risk uh, in that regard. And I also think it would be a sliding tier as far as like payment, just kind of how it is now, or what, where it was with Obamacare and stuff. Whereas like the real, like poor people would get either free or essentially cheap healthcare with the co-pays. And then it would kind of slide up a little bit from there to kind of cover their costs. Gotcha. So the appeal would be more on an educational side of things to say, look, this is really a smart thing to do. It's not, it's not rational if you can afford it to not have something like this because obviously with insurance you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and there would be like people. I mean, like Jeff Bezos doesn't have to worry about going to the doctors, but he also is not going to care about paying five hundred bucks a month or something. I mean, I feel like there would definitely be like I mean, like most taxes where it's kind of, I mean, there's a sliding scale. Yeah, well, so, Jeff Bezos could too. Also, just pay out of pocket. So he's he's a guy you'd want yeah. to convince as well. Yeah, but he, he would he would probably fall in line just from the uh, the the uh, stigma of it to not hurt, not hurt his business or something along yeah. those lines because it's an extremely low cost for him to incur, right? Yeah, which I think that's what we most wealthy people, I think, in general, would take, they have insurance for everything, for the most part. I mean, they're going to they're gonna insure their houses, they're going to insure their boats, they're going to insure their everything else. So, like, I think for the more wealthy people, they're already incurring those costs anyway. Right. So, to them, it makes sense. But I think, and even, like, like middle-class people in general already have insurance to some degree, um, for the most part. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, most, most, I would, I would be... I don't know the exact statistics, but I would assume most middle class people, especially if they have kids, um, yeah. they they have they have insurance. I imagine the the rate of the the rate of people who were insured pre Obamacare in the middle class was pretty high already. Yeah, yeah, because you I mean, most works give you insurance of some some degree, uh, especially like more stable jobs. So, right. Yeah. So I think I think just wouldn't. I don't think giving universal health care would even really change things too much. I think the real benefit would be just for the poorer people uh, that don't have insurance, and then they would get the ability to go do the preventative measures that would then incur those costs. Because I think really, like, we have that poor person that doesn't go get checked, and then next thing they know, they pass out because they have, like, prostate cancer. 
those that hundred fifty thousand dollars they incurred on because of like chemo and stuff like that because the hospital will still probably treat them for most things yeah. or they had a bad car accident I mean, that goes back to the taxpayers anyway at least in some way shape or form it either goes to the hospital which then the hospital has to incur that debt and then the debt goes to I mean, the government because of that I mean, so sooner or later that all kind of trickles back into the economy and we're paying for it anyway but so I think we just just getting out of the way and hopefully having those people that don't have the ability to go and get those those checks, letting them go in and get a check beforehand, find out they have prostate cancer early, then not have those costs incurred as high would help society as a whole. Do you have something to say? Then consider being on the show. Go to contentioustalks.com slash guest and apply today. That's contentioustalks.com slash guest to apply. Now back to the show. Right on. Well, thanks for sharing all that personal information, your wisdom, what you've learned over the years. Uh, what we're going to move into next is uh, called the Tough 12. Okay. So it's 12 questions, three categories, four questions each category. Uh, presumably, it's everybody's favorite part. Okay. Okay. Every single one of my guests answers these questions. Um, so the first category is politics. Okay. All right, John. Yep. First question in politics: What is a fair society? What is a fair society? A fair society. I mean, that's tough. Because I think that. I mean, I don't think I'm not one of those people that believe in fair necessarily. I don't think life is fair. I'm not a. I guess that's the libertarian part of me, that you should be more free. Free is more fair than anything. Um, so I don't think there actually is necessarily a fair society. I think that a fair society would be more about like equity and just having the the ability for somebody to do whatever they want. So that I feel like me, like systemic racism and stuff like that would not be part of a fair society. Um, but I don't think there's ever, that's not really a, possibility per se. I don't think fair is part of human nature or even nature in general. Like that's just not something that can actually happen. It's always there's always gonna be winners and losers and that's just unfortunately life. I mean life and death there's a uh, positive and negative to everything. You would you would fall in line with the idea of, you know, equal opportunity, not necessarily equal outcome. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's politics. You made it through one section. Up next is philosophy. First question here in philosophy, what is truth? Oh, man, that's a tough one. So, I mean, one thing I actually got into fairly recently uh, was like more like Buddhism stuff. Okay. So, I mean, I actually went to a monastery for a while and everything. Oh, cool. And so, I mean, I think with doing more research as far as like Buddhism and those things, I think that's helped me realize that like, you know, what's true is not always true. Like just like as if kind of like, like what's good is not always good. Um, so I think truth is really fairly subjective. I think that it depends on your point of view, it depends on the perspective, depends on the situation, um, what is true. So I think truth is not a solidified thing that this is always true. I think it's more of a situational fluid dynamic level for truth. I think for the most part. Do you believe in we'll follow up question here, do you believe that there is any universal truth? 
Um, yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, universal truths, I think, would be more, less of, like, the human aspects of things, so less about, like, what's right and what's wrong is not, there's no universal truths, I don't think, as much for there, um, as much as I feel like we want it to be, like, yeah, I, do I think that, like, pedophilia is ever okay? No, but does it, like, inherently make that true? I don't think that inherently makes it true. I think that just makes it true for, for me. Um, and I think it's one of those things where it's hard to gauge on what is what is actually true. Um, so I don't, like, it's hard to know what is going to be true for you. Uh, it's not necessarily true for somebody else. But I think, like, I mean, like, they're universal truths of life and death. Like, you can't avoid those things. Last one, this this, uh, this we haven't talked about a lot, um, or, or a, a whole ton yet, but personal and religious questions, okay? So, first question here under personal and religion, what do you believe about God? As far as God, because I, I used to be more religious. I mean, I, my parents always went, we were always Christian, always went to church, did all that fun stuff. I went to church all the time. Um, but I've actually felt fell out of religion when I was probably like 15, I'd say. Somewhere in that, those like formidable years, I guess. Um, so that's when I really stopped believing in all that. Because um, I, I just saw that, like the harm that it does as well. So that was my big reason that I kind of stopped believing that I felt like if there was um, an actual higher power that like a God figure of some sort that I feel like you would not, they would not be doing the bad things that they do or like punishing people as far as that regard, um, nor supporting that punishment um, from other people. So I think that that pushed me away from God. Um, like I said earlier, I started doing like Buddhism stuff. Um, so I started researching that and I went to a monastery, um, which that I definitely started leaning towards that more religiously. Um, but even then, Buddha and Buddhism is not actually a god, he's just a person uh, that was like essentially he gave, got enlightened and did all that stuff. But I don't think that all that enlightenment stuff, yeah, all enlightenment stuff. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like all that stuff. I think like there's something to be said for it. Um, do I think that there's this, I mean place that you just ascend to. I don't necessarily know if I believe that per se, but I think the teachings that are behind Buddhism make sense where it's like about like, uh, like equity and that we're all connected and everything kind of matters and those type of beliefs. So, uh, I don't know if that even really answers your question, but that's kind of my tangent, I guess, about it. All right. Right on. Uh, next question here under personal religion, what do you think happens after death? After death, I am, don't, I mean, obviously I don't know, never been dead, uh, at least not that I know, but I think there's, I'm a two option person, I think there's either we die and we're dead, uh, just like people don't believe that, like, I mean, no one ever thinks that your cat dies and your cat goes to heaven, I don't think that's necessarily a thing. Um, the only other thing I could, I would slightly believe would be like a, a version of like reincarnation. Um, the only reason I really believe that is because like reincarnation would be to the sense that like, I mean, if I die today and like you bury me in the ground over whatever, like centuries, like the worms will eat me, the worms then go into you get eaten by a bird. The bird then goes and gets eaten by something else. And then sooner or later, 
that, like, my, essentially the, what makes me me slowly gets reincarnated into something else. Like, I mean, the fact that I die, become eaten by a worm, then, like, it slowly just kind of, like, those cells become cells for something, somebody, something else. So you actually become part of something else, which kind of goes back to the interconnected part where, like, we're all kind of this big organism that's just really functioning. Um, so I think that's kind of what I, I probably lean towards that to a degree, but it's not like reincarnation in the sense that like I die and wake up a bunny rabbit, but it's more of that like I die of today and I will become part of the ecosystem that could then lead to something else. So like, I mean, like the food, the food that a, that a mother eats those cells essentially become part of the baby. So that baby then is made up of that cow that died for that mother or whatever they're eating. Um, so I think that's kind of like the way we would be reincarnated more would be through that aspect, but not like my consciousness doesn't get like transferred to a rabbit. Next question here. You're almost done. Two more. Two more. What gives life its meaning? Um... I mean, I think that's unique per person. Do you want that as a overall or for me personally? Yeah, sure. Oh, man. Um, so I think overall, I mean, I think everyone finds their unique purpose in life. Um, and I think that's for everybody. I think we all, once again, the whole ecosystem thing, we all play our own little part in there. Um, so I think it's unique for per person. So again, everybody has their reason for being alive. It could even be something so simple as like, you're there to I mean, surprise, support comfort or provide comfort or I mean, pick up trash. Like someone has to do those things. It could be that. I mean, that could be your purpose is to be a trash collector or whatever. Somebody that gets a random smile, like some something like that. Um, for me personally, that's I think it's tougher. Sadly, it's something I've not thought about as much as I probably should have. Um, The meaning for me, something really, I mean, I ideally would want to help the world in some way. And that's really like, actually something I guess I've kind of been struggling with because I felt like I'm not doing that as much as I should. Um, but like for right now, my position that I've really, that's been the rewarding thing. My position at work has been rewarding in the fact that like I work with a bunch of students. So like I help them in their aspects. So I think that kind of has gave me meaning in that aspect. I kind of want to transition that to more. I just want to really just kind of help people. Um, so going with the MBA thing, to another aspect I want to, I'd like to teach. I feel like that'd be something I can offer. I feel like that not, I feel like I can kind of teach things pretty well. So I would like to do that. And I feel like that kind of would give me some type of purpose as well, even if I'm doing like the game, like they talked about earlier. If I'm doing something like that, I feel like it doesn't really add to society as a whole necessarily uh, i feel like there's aspects of it that would like me you know, i think except like people getting to reach out and being interactive with the world i think would definitely is a positive but it doesn't that wouldn't necessarily completely fulfill my my needs so i think helping others would through teaching or something like that would be more beneficial as well awesome that's it man you made it through um really appreciate you coming on the podcast yeah thank you Last thing here, um, if uh, people were 
if their interests were piqued, how, how would they find out more about you? How can they get connected if they, uh, if they want to dox you? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I don't want. No, I mean, if people want to reach out and they're like, "Oh man, that John guy, he's pretty cool. I'm interested yeah. in some of the things he said." Like, how would they, how would people find out more about you? Um, so that I don't know. Like my, like social media is always a good option. I'm not sure my even my thing about LinkedIn. I think it's my thing's John P Gallo one. But yeah, I mean, find me on social media. I definitely uh, love to connect with people, love to talk, uh, talk about all kinds of different topics. I'm always but definitely like a file of math to some some degree, so love to learn about all kinds of different stuff. So yeah, I'd love for people to reach out. It'd be great. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Contentious Talks. Did you like this episode? If so, consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. To get notified about new episodes, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to connect more, like Contentious Talks on Facebook. To support Contentious Talks and for more content, consider joining the Contentious Collective for as little as $1 a month. To do so, visit ContentiousTalks.com today. Contentious Talks is produced, hosted, filmed, and edited by Ryan Malinowski. Contentious Talks, copyright 2021, all rights reserved.